Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 134, How a Modern CTO Can Boost Your Company's Success. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hey there, Pam. It's always terrific to join you for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to the next level of innovation, growth, and success. Now, one of the trends we've been following, as many of our listeners know, is the evolution of the C-suite. We're seeing that the composition of more and more C-suites is going from functional heads and a CEO to a dynamic team of visionary leaders. This enables them to detect new opportunities for their company's continuing transformation and growth. Yes, you're right. And of course, as the business environment keeps changing, it's clear that in order for a company to stay first, fast, and foremost in the hearts and minds of customers, the entire C-suite needs to be as visionary and business-focused as the CEO. Absolutely. One of these roles is the CTO. So how does a CTO become a real strategic asset to the C-suite? That's what our guest today is going to discuss with us. He is Joel Beasley, founder of the app development firm Logic17. Joel began writing code at age 13 and sold his first technology at age 18 for $1 million. (laughs) Not bad. He soon developed key relationships and began working with investors and chief technology officers, collaborating and building products in real estate, law, finance, and fitness. Today, Joel is an MIT-educated chief technologist with clients from startups to billion-dollar companies. Joel has developed a clear vision and passion for modern technology, placing him as one of the most exciting CTOs to watch out for. Joel is the host of the Modern CTO podcast, featuring conversations with startup to Fortune 500 CTOs. He's also launching his first book, Modern CTO, which explores what it's like to be in the space of modern visionaries that are shaping our future. You can read more about Joel by going to Growth Igniters Radio, episode 134. Joel, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. You know, that's quite a background you have, and and we've read so much about you now. But can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and Logic 17? Yeah, so I started coding at a very young age. I have two siblings from a pack of three of us, and my mom didn't want to deal with three kids, so she would send me to work with my dad on nights and weekends. And so I'd sit in these office buildings, these large empty office buildings, because he was a programmer, and I'd sit at these terminals, and the internet was very, very limited at the time. So I would just play some games, got bored of the two games I could play, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then... uh, I wanted to start programming because I saw the screens in the movie that were, you know, black or green and text. And I was like, oh, it's so cool. I want to learn how to use that. 
So I grabbed a book and started learning how to write some very basic programs. And then that progressed farther, uh, did that for several years. Then I happened to get hit by a car and oh was in goodness. a, yeah, it's crazy. And then I was in a wheelchair for a year and then halfway through my rehab, I fell and rebroke my legs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it took almost two years. During that time, I had a lot of time because I was not attending school. I was doing just some take-home workbooks, and mm-hmm. I was writing more code. And then I found that found out that online I could make money writing code. The, <laughs> right? So I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is yes. exciting!" Yeah. So I got a PayPal account because I couldn't get an actual bank account, and started making money right away. And it was very exciting. And then. I kept writing code all through high school and my mom was in real estate. And so I saw some needs in real estate and wrote software there. And then that ended up getting licensed out. And then that's how I kind of got into the, the whole business world and licensing technology and that whole world. That's very interesting that you saw that. I mean, that's a pretty young age to be able to see all these possibilities to make money. So being an entrepreneur was sort of in your blood. Yeah, I like to solve the problems. People were talking about the different problems that they were having. And so I felt like this is how I could contribute. And it just went off from there. That's a really interesting uh, story, Joel. But, you know, it's very big journey. It's a big distance between being a programmer, a code writer, going from that to being a chief technology officer. And you talk a lot about the evolution of the CTO from being that dinosaur uh, who's very technically focused to the modern CTO. What's that like and what's driven that evolution? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that happen in that transition. You have to essentially become an entirely different type of leader. You have to completely reevaluate how you bring value to the table. So mm-hmm. when you're writing code, you're thinking in terms of features and code hitting production or you know being deployed. But then... Right. As you start managing teams, now you're having to develop these skills of making people feel heard, learning how to manage people, how people think, and how to structure teams. And there is just, I mean, an infinite amount. But a good point would be that I talk to a lot of CTOs like all the time. And the difference between the ones that make the transition successfully and mm-hmm. don't is their ability to, A, want to, they have to have the the drive to actually want to make the transition. So sometimes mm-hmm. where they will fall off is they decide, well, I don't really, they'll wear the CTO title, build a basic product, be a CTO. And then they'll decide, you know what? I just really like being head of product. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to go and head of product and not be the CTO. Other people want to be the CTO. And then the more successful they are at letting go of the product and like essentially creating clones of themselves, like figuring it out and then mm-hmm. putting someone in place to make sure that's operating. Uh, the better they are at, at delegating and then constantly growing the company and learning new skills, then the more successful they end up as a CTO. I mean, that's the difference if you look at the CTOs that um, started and founded the company and now it has right. 600 employees and, and six employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like you've actually gone through that transition. You've had that trial by fire. Yeah, many times. And it's like, a you know, I have a six-month-old daughter right now, and it's a lot like her learning how to sit up and crawl and walk. She just has a big smile on her face and falls over and gets back up and tries again. And I'm like, that's that, welcome to life. So what was it that really was that epiphany for you that had you write this book? Because what you're describing is a huge shift 
there are so many people that we still meet who are thinking about the CTO in some of the earlier ways that I've read about you describing this and that you've been talking about, and now this modern CTO. So recently, about a year or two ago, I started working with private equity firms to perform due diligence. So they would have you know three to five deals a week come to them, people wanting money for investment, and then they would make the decision whether or not to give them the money. Well, they found me through another project and said, hey, we want you to look at these deals rapidly for us. And I said, okay, great. And before that, I would be in a deal and it would last you know six to nine months, and then I would be in another deal. So my experience was new deals every six to nine months, new people every six to nine months. And then I got into the part where I had new deals and new people multiple times a week. So Mm -hmm. what happened was the pattern became more obvious of what I had been doing the past decade, where these same concepts keep coming up about what the CTO should be doing and everything related to the CTO role, because it's dynamic, it changes. So the CTO job description, when it's you and a co-founder and you two are building a product, right? Like maybe out of your garage Mm -hmm. with the ramen Mm -hmm. noodles, you know, all that good stuff versus when you get your first capital versus when you're getting mezzanine capital versus, you know, when you're a billion dollar company, like all those different stages require completely different roles. And for you to be in love with the transition between the roles and being okay with learning new responsibilities and letting go of old ones. So do you find that the modern CTO, as you describe it, is more common in the larger companies or in the smaller companies? I think the modern CTO is a mindset of people understanding that the world is changing and being comfortable and hungry for the change and adapting. You know, that flexibility is really what it means to be modern. It transcends sort of age. I will find 70-year-olds that I, you know, specifically Jack is 73. He's one of the most modern people I know. You know, mm-hmm. he's constantly learning and understanding new things and growing. And I, I really think that that's kind of what defines being modern is being open and adapting to change because historically the world's only speeding up. Like it's not, oh, yeah. it's not getting <laughs> slower, true. Right? This is true. Right. So if you have a if you have a C level team, you know it's very important to take the perspective of how good are they at adapting to change and understanding. And then a big one is being able to emotionally detach from like what you think is right, and then listen to the market. So you'll see companies. Uh, yeah. And they won't want to believe that cell phones are going to be popular because they're so in love with pagers. While at the same time, you see cell phones doubling and tripling in sales every year. You have to kind of like say, I get that in my life. I might be in love with the pager, but you can't deny the 50 million unit increase in sales every year of cell phones. Like you can't ignore that. So you have to be not just technically excellent, but develop the leadership skill, the visionary muscle that it takes, and the adaptability to go with the flow and and continually innovate in ways that maybe you never even thought about. Yeah, there's a good example of this with Adobe, you know, Adobe software. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So they, they had, a, I was talking about this with Marty Kagan, because he was, he was actually in there when they were doing it. They had a $2 billion pivot. Adobe staked their entire business and like 50% of their total revenue on this one idea of going to the creative cloud. And they had, mm-hmm. you know, 16 to 20 plus products, you know, the Photoshop's Illustrator, that they yeah. all had mm-hmm. to convert to this new concept of creative cloud because the market shifted. No longer did we go buy software in boxes at 300 or 1000 or $2,000 a pop, and then a new version would come out every three years. Instead, people now subscribe and pay 50 or 60 or $100 a month, and the software is always up to date, like every month. Right, a real shift. Yeah, That's so if true. they did not have a visionary that said, look, this is how the market's shifting, we're just going to be old and 
maintain this the CD thing or go to the app store, they did not pivot, then they would be way behind the curve. So that visionary CTO is a real strategic asset. Of course. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Joel Beasley, author of The Modern CTO, about the strategic value of having a modern CTO in the C-suite. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. On the web at businessadvance.com, we enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth. We'd like to welcome our many new listeners. If you're not already subscribed to our Growth Igniter's community, you can get even more value by signing up. You'll receive reminders of our new bi-weekly podcasts, along with a link to a page filled with all kinds of resources. And on the off weeks, you'll receive a Growth Igniter's post, about a two-minute read. So go now to growthignitersradio.com and click the red Sign Up Now button at the top right of the page. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Joel Beasley, host of the Modern CTO podcast, author of The Modern CTO, and founder of Logic 17. Joel, how can people find out more about you and your various enterprises? ModernCTO.io. And where do we order a book? Yeah, so if you go to ModernCTO.io forward slash book, all the information will be right there. You read about the book and yeah, it's all right there. Okay. And of course, people can find out more in the resources section for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com and selecting episode 134. So Joel, also, you are a founder of the Beasley Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? For sure. Yeah. So it's me, my brother, uh, my sister, and then a number of other individuals. Because when you do a foundation, like you can't be related to everybody. Right. So it was fun going with, you know, the whole IRS and actually forming a 501c3. Um, so what happened was I'm pretty nerdy. My brother is is very smart. And so is my sister. My brother's a doctor um, in the same town I live in, in Sarasota, Florida. And my sister's a physics uh, science teacher in our town as well. So we're all kind of a little into the STEM fields, right? We're all a little mm-hmm. bit nerdy. And what happened was we found out my wife was pregnant and I'm the first of the of the three siblings to to have a child. So we're all very excited. So we went to Target uh, and we went to look for some baby books that we could get that would be cool to read because I was just excited that I was going to be a dad. So we we did that on the hype of that energy. And we got there and all the books were kind of like the dragon that eats tacos and Uh they were very... Yeah. yeah, they were very silly. Right. Yeah, and and like you gotta uh-huh. love it, right? Because it's entertainment. But we were we wanted some that were fun and interesting around the topics that we're interested in. I mean, dragons and tacos are great, right? We gotta love them. Mm-hmm. But we wanted like rockets and physicists. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so we left there, and I, I brainstormed, and I I wrote these two children's books just real quick on the fly. One called uh, "Back to the Moon" about this little brother and sister who. Uh, go back to the moon in a spaceship and mm-hmm. then another one called the princess physicist which is about this. i love it yeah she gets stuck in a tower and then uses physics to get herself out oh wow instead, instead <laughs> of a guy saving her right hey yeah 
So that sounds wonderful. So do you see your daughter becoming one of these modern CTOs? Do you sure, think that yeah. the Beasley the Beasley Foundation can do this? Yeah, so you know, there was this movie we saw and it was out recently, I think it was called Gravity or something, and in yes. the movie they actually mentioned that the way she got interested into the space travel was reading this book called Good Night Moon. Mm-hmm. And so oh. I was like, all right, well, what we consume as young children definitely influence our interests. So that's mm-hmm. proof of it right there. So I said, let's put these two books out. And then who needs them the most? Well, homeless pregnant women need them uh, you know, to give to their kids and have something for them. The kids that are bouncing around and foster, you know, they, they need them. They need to see these, these interesting ideas. So what we did was at the same time we found out that she was pregnant two months later, we're talking about this idea. We're, we're going to originally turn this into a business, right, where mm-hmm. we sell the books. Then my mom uh, doesn't feel well. She goes to the hospital, finds out she has leukemia, dies in six oh. weeks, just out oh of nowhere gosh. at oh, 53, gee. right? Oh, so we were very surprised and we had this book idea and we had this and then she left us $25,000. So we said, well, we all are financially like, okay. So we said, what could we do with $25,000 that's like not standard? Like most people would go out, pay some debt or buy a car, like mm-hmm. do something with it. Mm-hmm. And we were like, what can we do with it that she would be proud of? came up with the idea of doing a foundation, generating the books, ordering the books, and then giving them away as a charity. And we decided like that would be the coolest way, coolest project for us to work on to remember our mom. So we did just that. I hired the best illustrators. We used the same company that printed Disney's children books and mm-hmm. got to deal with wow. you know, international wow. shipping, freight, logistics, like all that stuff, customs, taxes. <laughs> it was fun. So I learned I learned it all and I and it was pretty great. So it took us about seven months until the books were actually here through a pallet, ended up in my garage, and we just started putting them in the car and going and handing them out boxes at a time. So there's another example of doing something completely different, really exercising the visionary muscles. So we talked about the modern CEO, and there are two ways to look at this. One is from, I have the technical bent, and I want to go from a technical person to a technical leader. That's one path. And the other avenue of of conversation is the leader of a company, the CEO, who wants to build up their C-suite and add a visionary CTO. So let's take the second one first. How does a CEO go about thinking about who's right for this kind of a role? So if you want to bring in a visionary into your C-suite? Yeah, as Mm -hmm. a CTO, right. Right. All right, so if I'm a CTO and I want to kind of get in on this, right? First of all, the most important thing to our business is the next generation, no matter where you are and what business you're in, because those are the people who are coming up that will be your customers in the next decade. And if you're not thinking in terms of decades, you're not really doing the leading stuff, right? Right. (laughs) Because you have to say, you have to acknowledge the fact, okay, my company is going to not only exist, but be bigger in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I need to win the hearts and minds of the next generation to have that growth. And from, if you think about it like that, the, one of the easiest things you can do is pull, grab someone in the next generation and pull them in and spend time with them and find out what drives them, what's their world like, what do their peers say, what what's everyone talking about, and, mm-hmm. and kind of get a real good feel for that. Like a lot of companies are doing it right now that are in the consumer space with like, let's say candy companies are figuring out that they need Snapchat. 
because mm-hmm. the kids aren't watching the TV, you know, the, the 13 something, 13 to 18s or 13 to 16s aren't watching TV, they're on Snapchat, right? So right. they have to be there if they want to sell their gummy worms, <laughs> right? So if you take that same thing back to technology, you have to look at the next generation of programmers, the next generation of technologists and say, what are, what are they interested in? Is it VR, AR, or mm-hmm. you know, where is their attention being focused? And then how do I leverage that in my business? You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in terms of finding these special people, because I think we're talking about a very special person who has that vision and can transform and grow a company. How do you even go about finding the right person? There are a lot of people who will be very happy when you come up with this answer, because attracting and retaining the right talent is a key issue. Yeah, including, like, I would be very happy, too, when I figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now, this is this is huge. I mean, people, people are looking for this rare talent. What are you doing? Yeah, so there's the visionary talent, and then there's right. the right talent for the job. So usually you're going to want the leader to have a strong technical understanding of what's happening. So even if it's marketing and it's not CTO, like it's CMO, yeah. you mm-hmm. want them to have a large under- technical understanding, a good solid base that they've done the work as as the grunts in that space. But then they also have got, come up through the space to the top, but then also have the visionary stuff. So I, I find visionary people and mm-hmm. they're usually just at the sea levels at the top of their companies. So that's where I run into them the most often. But maybe some other value I can bring would be a lesson that I learned with attracting and retaining the best talent. And that is to find people who like understand who are not cocky. Like they, they know what they're doing, yeah. but they're not cocky. And then give them kind of the freedom to do their thing. So, you know, Steve Jobs said it great, right? When he says he hires people who are smarter than him and then he lets them say what to do. I go for that all the time. So I'm constantly looking for people who are smarter than me and who have the same values as me. So I get up really early. I very much enjoy what I do. To the outside world, if I say I work a lot, they would think that's negative. So it's like, I love what I'm doing. So it's cliche, but it's not work to me. It's like, this is what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. it's very exciting. So surrounding yourself with those people, I would say a couple of these lessons I've learned is getting rid of the negative people and surrounding yourself with the people who believe in whatever the vision is, because you're you're going to need that. Yes. Building on that, being in places where these type of people hang out, perhaps there are events that you can go to where you meet them. And of course, networking to find the right people who are the most visionary who can do this. And have the emotional intelligence and the leadership skills to blend the technical and the bringing people together yeah, and shaping a culture. Shaping a culture. Yeah. Thanks for saving me there. <laughs> no, that's good. That's you good. know this. You know this. Yeah. But, but the thing is, I think that when you are in it, sometimes it's hard to realize yeah. how it is that people could clone a bunch of you. Because you clearly have that vision and you're the one talking about the modern CTO and you've sold us on on the importance of this. We're convinced more C-suites are going to need this type of person, develop this type of person, and also helping them to get to that place where they can, in fact, assume the role. I've got something for you. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So developing them. I have some I have some value. Okay. okay. So I have found this following to be true. I can take a person who has a strong work ethic 
and who's a perfectionist and convince them and work with them to speed them up and produce faster and, and to deliver more product faster. But I could not take a person who's very fast with low quality and improve their quality. So mm. what that means is I can look for the quiet intellectual producer that's perfectionist and I can work with them to give them confidence to kind of pull their personality out of them and help them develop their personality through confidence and, and interaction. And yeah. mm-hmm. and then they can become those visionaries faster, but I can't take mm-hmm. a loud, dumb, fast person and then make them a visionary or like encourage them to do better work. They, they, it just doesn't work. Okay, well, that's a really good point. And in fact, it might make it so that there are more people who are available. We tend to overlook a lot of people, especially when they're quiet sometimes, because they don't always do as good a job of promoting what they're good at. Yeah. They have the internal maturity and they yeah. have the right skills. If you actually go to a tech conference and you talk to most of the CTOs or even a lot of, the, if you talk to a lot of the people there that are on the stages giving the talks, I would say a large, more than 51% of them would have previously called themselves an introvert because they're refining, like from the outside world, you see an introvert as being quiet, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you mm-hmm. assume that their internal dialogue is quiet. Well, actually the brain to mouth ratio is like, 10,000 to one, like what's going on in their mind, the dialogue that's iterating through their mind is so rapid and so fast. What's happening is that they're not able to slow it down to convert it to words. Instead, Mm. it's easier just to let it run internally. And so from the outside, we say, oh, they're quiet, but they're not, man. They are not quiet at all. They are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So does that describe you? That describes my journey. Yeah. Everybody would say I'm like extraordinarily (laughs) quiet and you know, even my my wife is like, when I'm not around her, she was saying, you know, you're very quiet, you're very quiet. And I only turn on when I was talking technology or ah. evaluating code or something like that. I could turn on because I had the communication skills to let it run really fast and knock stuff out. But then I had to real have that realization a few years ago and then slowly teach myself those communication skills and other aspects. So this this interview right now is actually my second or third interview. So it's I'm learning here. That's ah, great. Well, yeah. you're doing great. And it's also given me an insight, which is that if people are introverts, especially when we're talking about a CTO, a modern CTO, and we're talking about a visionary, sometimes the visionary aspect may not come out as well as you might expect it to, because you're talking about a C-suite where everybody has a vision, right? And so you need to work extra hard to make sure that is heard. Yeah, I found more often than not, when I'm sitting in those rooms as as the technical lead, I only get prompted for technical questions, right? But I'm seeing Mm -hmm. those humans interact with each other. And it's amazing how I found that the best story wins. Like, it doesn't matter what the decision or what's happening. Whoever has the best set of analogies and the best stories in most of the situations I've been in, that individual wins, even if they come back a day later and said, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> hmm. So the question then is, when you have a bunch of visionaries where you have a really strong idea, how do we blend those visions and come up with the best idea, not just the best story? Yeah, I have a sketch artist I work with all the time. I need to really? visualize what's in my head and I have trouble communicating it. When I see it, I have this, like, I don't know, it's like an extra limb or something in my head. I've got this vision, like I can actually see it. Uh-huh. Um, although I cannot draw very well myself, I can you know, draw stick figures. So what I do is I work with sketch artists that I have essentially on staff. And I mm-hmm. say, this is what I need. This is what I see. This is what I see to give me a version. I, I give it 
revisions. And so, I mean, that's how we designed the world tour that we're going on right now. Wow. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. And this is a perfect place for us to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Joel Beasley, author of The Modern CTO, about some immediately useful ideas for modernizing the CTO role to boost your company's success. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. We've been talking about the evolution of the C-suite as a visionary strategic team, and especially the role of the CTO as a strategic asset. But the faster your company is transforming and growing, the more challenging it can be to ensure that everyone's visions are in sync. (laughs) We've been talking about this. This challenge is what's most often behind costly breakdowns and missed opportunities. And that's why we've created our special assessment, Five Questions to Ask When You Need to Move Even Faster. It's a perfect perspective builder for fast-moving C-suite leaders who need to meet current commitments and move fast enough to respond to new opportunities. Our questionnaire will help you find out where to begin to focus your energy and resources so what should be happening really is happening faster and more effectively. We've developed these questions based on our work with fast growth clients in over 30 industries. We've helped them scale faster, make innovation happen faster, and more quickly respond to new opportunities. This has generated millions of dollars in top and bottom line growth. Now you can have this resource free just for sharing your valid contact information with us. So go today to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 134. Scroll down to resources and click the link, download five questions to ask when you need to move even faster. And to learn more about our success stories, go to growthignitersradio.com, client results. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Joel Beasley, serial chief technologist, host of the Modern CTO podcast, and author of The Modern CTO and founder of Logic 17. <laughs> That's a lot. Joel, how that can people crazy. find it? <laughs> it is. How can people find out more about you, your company, your book, the Beasley Foundation, all of these things we've been talking about? Yeah, so if you go to moderncto.io and you click about, there's a story and it references each one and there's links out to to each of those. And just a reminder that you can find more in the resources section for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com and selecting episode 134. Okay, so Joel, you mentioned a world tour. Uh, tell us about that. What What is it and what's it for? Yeah, so we have made all these friends with the podcast all over yeah. The world and they kind of group into the big tech cities. So one day we we're on the show and we were talking with one of the guests and we said, Hey, we should come visit you. And I, I realized that I've been saying that to 80% of my guests, right? Right. And it's not feasible for us to go around everywhere. And I thought to myself, Well, you know, we could, I just made up on the show one day. I said, You know, we could just do the show live in Boston and we could just come out there and hang out. We could have all the people from, you know, three or four CTOs from Boston that we've had on the show. We can have you guys all on. We can do the show live, maybe at an incubator or something like that. And everyone was really pumped about it and started writing in from hearing about it on the show. And they're like, oh, you should come to our city and do that. We should do the modern CTO show live. And we're like, 
all right, well, let's whiteboard this out and see if we can do this logistically and financially. And so we started whiteboarding it out. And then it, um, have you guys seen the movie, The Greatest Showman? I was watching that movie after thinking about doing the show. And I was like, well, what we talk about, we talk about robots, technology, CTOs. We have a lot of value mixed with a lot of fun on the show. Uh-huh. So I said, what would that look like live, you know? And we were thinking about, oh, we could do drones. Like, did you see the drones at the Super Bowl or, Super Bowl or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Right? Wow. I was like, yeah. oh, man, yeah. we could do drones yes. like, like, like Intel did at the Olympics. And I was like, yeah. that could be the opener. And then we could have those robots that we see viral videos about, right, that are running right. around. Right. Mm-hmm. So we could have yes. them come on stage and we could have the CTOs come and talk. And I was like, we could just make it this huge thing. And so we started, at first it started with incubators that we were going to do it just to talk with like 150 to 300 people. And then it kind of grew and we're like, oh, no, no, no. We have to like rent a theater with, you know, 5,000 seats and do this huge production and get the drones flying around and go absolutely crazy. And we have to build this huge show. And then so we built out the entire show. And then we started mapping out all the theaters we would go to. And we built a 16 city world tour. It's going to be like the biggest technology event that the whole world will be talking about. And then now we're putting it out for bids to IBM and Amazon to fund the whole thing. So this is a vision in motion. If somebody wanted to get involved in this, what would they do? Yeah, so they would contact you. Yeah, they contact us. We, you can find more information in all the cities and all, all about our team and everything at moderncto.io forward slash tour. We have like a video and it's it's crazy and like light show. It's awesome. And so then you can uh, email me joel at moderncto.io if you're interested in lear- learning more. Yeah, very cool. Joel, that is really exciting. Yeah, it we're is. we're like the whole. We just went from like five people, and now we're pulling on eighteen people. So our team just like tripled in size, and we're executing the a sixteen city world tour, and it's starting in spring of this year. So we've got three months Super. before our first show. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen as a result of all this? What's Tens, the big vision? Yeah, that it's this this new thing. We've started talking to everybody about it, and it's it's nothing like this exists. And everyone we talk to wants to come. So. Mm-hmm. There will be anywhere from five to 10,000 people at each event, and everyone's going to talk about it. We're going to have big-name speakers come and bring value to people. Everyone's talking right now about you know the computer science. There's issues with computer right. science mm-hmm. in yep. college degrees. They're not learning the right thing. So I was like, yep. let's... We we evangelize best practices on our show, and that's our brand. That's who listens to us is the people who mm-hmm. want to be the best at their what mm-hmm. they do. So we said, let's bring that right right into the colleges, right into their stadiums, and let's bring that right to them so that they can learn today now so that they don't have to get out of their four-year degrees, get three years into the workforce, and then figure out best practices. <laughs> we should stop complaining, right, yeah. that, these ki- that the people coming out of colleges don't know, and instead go to their turf, speak their language, and give them a heads up, which is the whole purpose of the book. I wrote was so that the next generation of technologists can learn from my experience. And I said, well, you know, if I'm just putting a book out there, that's great. What can we do to like really go actually change a generation? And you have to think really, really big in order to do that. Joel, you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's it. We're all thinking big here. That's the reason for being. Joel, this is the part of our podcast where we like to talk about the immediately useful ideas. You know, we've been talking about the theory, you know, what's a modern CTO and how does this all fit together? Where do you find people? All of these things. Let's talk about three immediately useful ideas about boosting your success through the modern CTO. Yeah, I'm very interested about the five questions, just, just so you know. Okay. okay, well, that's just cool. Your yeah. <laughs> so that sounds super interesting. All right, but but back to this. The uh, 
immediate things that they could do right now to kind of modernize the role. I would get out and get involved in the community. So there's meetups uh, where mm-hmm. all the technology people get together. I think meetup.com. There's companies. If you go to Crunchbase, you can see all the companies yeah. that are funded and what stage of funding. So I would mm-hmm. go to Crunchbase and look at what tech companies nearby have are in their like different series of funding, where are they at, what what's their growth and size. And I would just mm-hmm. send an email to them. I'd say, hey, uh, I want I want you to come hang out, you know, come over to the office and, and let's hang out and I'll buy you lunch or something and just get involved and get in front of both your peers and the people ahead of you and the people below you, just kind of uh, surrounding yourself with, with those three groups of people and you, it, everyone's real excited to do it, by the way. Like, no one's like, no. You know, everyone's <laughs> like, oh, man, this is so much fun. It was so great meeting you and having lunch. Just reaching out and saying hello is, is unbelievable. So let's say a company brings on a visionary CTO and they want to get the best results. What is an immediately useful thing that they could do in terms of communicating? Yeah, so over-communicating is great. Right. Okay. That's how you understand that you're on the same page. So if you and I have a conversation and we both walk away to execute on that conversation, the greater the distance between our next communication, the greater the chance of error. Mm-hmm. So here we over communicate and that seems to work really well for what we are doing here. We keep um, the experts super close to us, the heads of the other areas. We all are very, very close all the time. That way we keep the distance of communication very short. And that works for us, right? I can't guarantee that works for everyone, but that definitely mm-hmm. works for us. That's mm-hmm. so important. Sometimes what happens is people will go quiet and then you don't really know what's happening. And those five questions you're, you're, came, you're were developed for a reason, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. hard, hard experience, Joel. So another, yeah. another question is, if I am a technical person, uh, perhaps I'm on my own or I'm in a company and I want to build that strategic muscle, that leadership muscle, to go to the next level. I have that vision. What can I do to develop that, bring myself from being a technical expert to a technical leader? Yeah, so the way I started was, so we've got that whole concept of the brain works really fast, but the communication skills are low, right? Yeah. Because you can think fast when you communicate. So the way way it went for me, because that's the only experience I really have, is I started recording audio of, of my little internal rants. And then I started taking those recordings and turning them into writings. And I started sending mm-hmm. the writings to my peers. And then the writings turned into conversations around the writings, which gave me experience having conversations around those topics that got refined, that turned into recordings, a podcast, the book, everything. Joel, it's been really wonderful having this conversation with you. Any final thoughts on the modern CTO as a strategic asset? Well, no, <laughs> but I do have something that's cool. Uh, the, we, this thing that came up on my mind is uh, boomerangs. We have this thing at the office we call boomerangs. Everybody has uh-huh. to be a boomerang for you to exist okay. at the to work at an organization. So what that means is we have a conversation, and like I'll have a conversation with Jackie or Jake, and they they have their jobs. They're a part of the team because they go away and they instantly come back to me the second that there's a problem or there's a question or anything like that. And so what will happen is it's kind of counterintuitive, right? You think, oh, they're going to be bothering me all the time. And yeah, for the first 48 hours or three days, they will be asking you all the time. But when you open yourself up for that and they're constant, they know that that door is open and they're, they're supposed to be boomeranging, what happens is they learn really fast. And within one week, you have a self-sufficient person who can execute on their own and and we call them boomerangs here. And that is like one of our little secrets that works really well. That's great. Well, Joel, thanks again for being on Growth Igniters Radio. 
Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Joel, and thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, read Joel's bio, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 134. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to reflect upon. How can we make our CTO role even more of a strategic asset in our company? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.